Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy, Kendrick Johnson, and Devin Hassan. Uh, gentlemen, it is Monday, and let's talk some high school girls basketball mid-district. Um, we are right at the uh, the halfway point in district play for the majority of our districts, so we've now had a chance to see how uh, all of our teams in one district look against everybody else in the district, so we have an idea as to what these districts look like now at the halfway point. So let's discuss, you know, what does it all mean, and um, you know, what are we kind of expecting now? Now heading into the second half of district play, um, we're going to uh, we'll talk some 6A girls basketball today, and then we'll kick it over to 5A later on in the week on Thursday, and then we'll turn around and do the exact same exercise next week for boys basketball. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about our four uh, 6A girls basketball districts today. Um, let's um, we're just going to kind of bounce around. I want to start over in District 10 6A. Over we'll talk a little bit of Garland ISD and some Wiley because um, you know we had last Friday a uh, you know something that's maybe uh, about as rare as a, a shooting star or, uh, you know, getting a, or, or seeing a, a four-leaf clover, and that is a, a competitive game involving Saxy. I know, right? Saxy, who's, um, you know, what the what's the district winning streak at now? Is it 62? Six, six, 62. 62. But 62 was, number 62 wasn't as easy as... Uh, no, it's not. This is a, uh, they have amassed those previous 61, the majority of them, in overwhelmingly dominant fashion. Um, well, first off, before we get to what happened on Friday with Saxy, just want to give a quick rundown of what the standings are right now at the halfway point. So... Saxy, as we have alluded to, yes, they are in first place as is um, as is usual, and typically with a with a zero in the loss column, they are uh, they are seven and zero at the halfway point. Lakeview Centennial um, is six and one. Wiley is five and two. Rowlett in fourth place at four and three. So those are your four playoff teams right now. One game back of Rowlett though is Garland at three and four, and then Naaman Forest is in sixth place with two and five. Uh, North Garland at one and six and seventh, and then South Garland in eighth place at zero oh and seven. So yes, uh, Saxy still undefeated, but they had to withstand a very atypical performance on Friday in just a, uh, a 46-42 to victory over rival uh, rival Rowlett. So whether it is just the rivalry stakes that um, you know can come out between those two schools on occasion, um, just a completely different approach from Rowlett as far as kind of grinding the game down and you know limiting the number of possessions that Saxe was able to have, clearly they put themselves in position to potentially score a monumental upset. Um, Devin, what was um, just your takeaway from this game as Saxe withstood it's um its toughest test in district so far. Well, part of it is the rivalry. I mean, these t- these teams get up, and, and and every team in every sport they're pointing at the the two head to head matchups as the biggest district yeah. games of the year. Um, you know, and this is not like you say it doesn't happen often. Um, but this is the fifth time during that sixty two game streak 
um, that they have had a single-digit game. Um, so while it's wow. not a common occurrence, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, relative to its credit, it's played Saxy tough uh, for two, two and a half quarters mm-hmm. during this streak. Uh, they just haven't been able to sustain it for four, and they really were able to do that for most mm-hmm. of the time night on, on Friday. I mean, this was a four-point game at the half, and then it went back and forth in the second half. Saxy was always able to kind of keep it up at arm's length, though. Uh, Rowlett just wasn't able to ever get that final push to either draw even or even go ahead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's even with the loss, that's a big confidence booster for Rowlett. Mm-hmm. But you also got to just continue to give credit to Saxy. For sure. I mean, that's just, you know, their leadership, even after Jayla Brooks went down, which was such a huge blow, you know, just because you lose your three-year, you know, starting point guard. You know, they have Adele Tack, who's a four-year varsity. You know, she's going to TCU. Tia Harvey is a four-year varsity uh, player. So they have the experience mm-hmm. and the leadership to fall back on. And that's one of the reasons that that winning streak has been going on as long as it has is because they've always had you know a solid senior class to, to kind of guide the way so you know Saxe is still you know maybe it shows a little bit more vulnerable maybe they just didn't play as well as they're mm-hmm. capable of and again credit to Rowlett for for coming with their a effort but it's still sexy uh, the team i mean this is a perfectly tiered district uh you just read it down yeah i mean it, no it, ties it, well i mean it, but in terms of every team is separated by one game which basically tells you there hasn't been an upset mm-hmm. i mean they are basically in the same order that i would have picked them before the season started. okay um so no upsets so far um you know it's going to come down to those top four teams uh you know sexy was really able to handle uh, Lakeview, the 36 and 19 in the first meeting. I also, but that might be the game where a team maybe makes well, you sweat it out a little bit. Well, and again, when they played in the Cobalt yeah. tournament, this was a 46 to 43 Saxy win. Yeah. So it's Lakeview's show, and you know, they got that that, that front line with three six-foot athletic yeah. uh, players um, to give Saxy some problems. And, and like I say, I fully expect the rematch to be much closer, much mm-hmm. much more um, along the same lines as it was in the Coldwell tournament. You know, Wiley's kind of, they fly under the radar because they're the only non-GISD team. Um, but they put themselves in position at 5-2, and two, and that was expected. Mm-hmm. And Rowlett, you know, you got to make sure you don't slip up and, and open that door for Garland. But I think Rowlett is a team that if these top four is going to shuffle from their current order, Rowlett's a team that can do it. Uh, you know, Nevaeh Zavala, uh, Maddie Rodriguez, Reagan Warren, these are all three very good players. And you know, they only lost to Wiley by one in the first meeting oh. and then certainly showed, you know, on Friday that they can hang and, and you know, contend with, you know, compete against any team in this district. So, you know, if there's going to be a team that I guess, uh, you know, changes the pecking order, so to speak, I think it's Rowlett and their, you know, their um, potential to move up. And they do already have a, what, a 24-point victory under their belt over Garland, who's one spot behind them in the standings. So you would think that, okay, they should at least be able to, you know, be free and clear. Well, so yeah. showing themselves a top four spot. And, and, and Rowlett's been able to avoid that this year. There have been a couple times in recent years where they have a head scratcher oh, yeah. against a team that they you know beat by 25 30 the first time and then they are able to squeak out you know a two or three point win in the second game so you know they've good, done a good job of maintaining their intensity week in week out game in game out so i don't expect them to slip up but like i say when you only have a one game cushion you don't want to leave anything chance yeah. so you've got um so again it doesn't look like though you feel like these are your four playoff teams and that order's probably uh, i don't know could the order change or whatnot or is there one of those teams yeah like i like, like to say if it's going to change i think it's Rowlett. okay um you know they play wiley um 
you know, tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that was a one-point Wiley win the first time. So I think that Rowlett, certainly coming off of Friday, uh, if they play the way they did against Saxe, they can beat Wiley. Mm-hmm. And I think Rowlett, um, you know, they, they don't match up real well with Lakeview, but, you know, strange things have happened. So I think if, if that top four is going to change, it's going to be Rowlett moving up the ranks mm-hmm. one or two notches. Let's see. And then you've got a district like um, over, and we can talk a little bit of 9-6-A. Um, you know, Brian, Kendrick, give you guys a chance to chime in. So I'm at the midpoint now. Let's um, run down the District 9-6-A standings. You have Allen in first place at 6-0. Plano Senior in second place at 5-1. McKinney with a 4-2 record in third place. Plano East even at 3-3. Three three. They are in fourth, so those are your four playoff teams currently. Then you have Prosper, one game back of East, 2-4. Uh, Plano West in sixth at 1-5. And, um, and then McKinney Boyd in seventh at 0-6. So much like 10-6-A. No ties. <laughs> um, so, but nevertheless, so do we feel like these are, um, like that is a pretty, uh, is this just a kind of like working out the way that you guys anticipated it so far for one half? Yeah, you have um, a McKinney team that's um, got a favorable schedule. They have everybody at home except for Plano Senior and Plano East mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. They're four and two. They're well, those are two pretty big games, though, as far as potential playoff seating and whatnot. Yeah, uh, but they play, they, they actually play pretty good on the road um, mm-hmm. to, to me. But it's like I just got Allen. But nobody thought Prosper was going to be this man, so I guess it's not like we thought it was going to be. I wouldn't say they're bad. I mean, all their losses are, are you know within ten points. They're playing close games. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just they're just they're the five seed right now. They're two and four. Um, I, I you know, they, they're they, not making the playoffs. They're going to have to beat. McKinney and Plano East if they want and, and you know come around the second half of district play if they're going to make the playoffs uh, but yeah I mean they're even playing Allen tight you know that was a less than a 10 point game you know when they played last, was it last week yeah uh, you know it's it's not like they're getting blown out it's not like okay yeah Jordan Oliver's gone so they took a bit of a step down they still have players I'm not saying that but it's just, it's just they're, they're in, you know, they're one of if not the toughest yeah, yeah they don't <laughs> they don't have a, a, a signature win and like I said you can kind of chalk up you know Plano and, and Allen as losses you know when they play <clears throat> in the second half district but they're going to have to beat McKinney and Plano East you know, and upsetting one of those two top two teams wouldn't hurt. Also, but they're gonna they're gonna have to take care of a lot of business. You know, if they want to make the playoffs. And I think they don't they get McKinney and East this week. Yes. So yeah. yes. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Their Prosper fate. season is yeah. essentially on the line this week. You can make <laughs> pretty case. much. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that rematch against East goes. Just after you know seeing the first one in person and how um, again, just despite Matt, you know, despite East doing everything it could to take Maddie clear out of the ball game and still Chandler Browning was, Browning was shooting the ball hot enough to keep Cross within striking distance the whole way until, you know, like the last couple minutes East, you know, they mm-hmm. East got like a two-possession lead, and then they were able to pull away a little bit from the free-throw line, but Prosser was game. It did not, because, like, like we mentioned, you know, earlier, I mean, obviously the big storyline was, okay, what does life after Jordan Oliver look like, but you also kind of forget how much else they lost in addition to her not having Scout Huffman, who was their best interior player last season. You know, she's out with an injury. Um, you know, they graduated their point guard from last season, Madison Willis-Rosa. Yeah. Adley Morell, who was one of their best reserves, played some really, really key defense minutes as a freshman oh you know, yeah guarding some of the best players in the district and she's now doing her thing on the uh, on the soccer mm-hmm. pitch um, so that's it really is a brand new team from last season and not just you know not having Oliver but yeah again you know they've still got Trey, Trey Rochelle's one of the best coaches in the district and they've yeah. just been able to kind of scheme their way into being able to hang tough with these uh, these upper echelon teams now ultimately again got to get over the hump against one of them and I think we said it sounds like at least based on the standings that if they are going to make any headway that it's got to be this week yeah and a lot's happened since then they played 
you know, East and McKinney before the holidays. Yeah. And they've played holiday tournaments. They beat Braswell in, in those holiday tournaments in their top 10 in 5A. This is a prosper team that can play, yeah. and they, they have a lot to prove, you know, these next, what, two, three games. Um, so if you're, if you're going to MGM, which you put money on them games to play. Well, I, I mean, I don't bet on high school sports, <laughs> but uh, – Man, I don't know. It's, it's a tall task. I mean, they fell way too far behind, two or four, but they're only one game back. So, I mean, if you beat McKinney, I mean. So, you're telling me there's a chance. I, you know, I'm trying to talk to yourself. You I, I know, I'm like, I'm like, man, it's not likely, but I'm like, oh, come on. I picked them to make the playoffs. Like, you know, I'm not trying to give anyone bulletin board material, but no, I, I, I don't think so. I'm curious to see what uh, again because they are at least again the team that is closest to them at least is this plan is Plano East and um, that's a team that we've been pretty consistent in saying that we kind of expect them to get better as district goes along just because that's it's the age old case of a really really young team that's had some really really you know close moments of showing promise of being one of the better teams in this district and then you know they have a you know some uh, some close losses to to McKinney and Allen you know whatnot an Allen team that they were in position to beat you know until like what twenty seconds left in the ball game. Um, you know, so again, East has shown a ton of promise, but they've taken the expected lumps of a young team. So it's just kind of going off the assumption that okay, they're gonna kind of like Allen was last year, where it starts to kind of round together over the second half of district. But you know, we'll see. At the end of the day, I mean, those those losses to the one to McKinney was a little eye opening. I kind of did think that at least, um, and granted, I guess they played earlier on in tournament season. I think that was just a three point win for uh, for Plano East back then. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised if McKinney wins by five on its home floor. It's just kind of matchup that you can see very well. See East, you know, being able to return the favor when they rematch at East later on. But um, nevertheless, though, yeah, East has been um, the promise is there. It's just it's it's kind of weird because we we live in this age of like all these you know these real perimeter centric offenses. Everybody running their five outs or whatnot. And East is a uh, kind of a bang it kind out. of a throw, oh, cool. It's kind of a throwback because they yeah they do funnel a lot of their offense through their two post players Taylor Hagan and Idar Udo. And it's uh, yeah it's kind of a nice change of pace to see kind of a, a two post offense in today's um, age of uh, age of basketball. Ball. But that's the thing, though, is that teams have kind of loaded up on trying to slow those two down, and it's it's kind of thrown a bit of a you know it's kind of thrown a, a bit of a stick in the spoke the, of the a, girls for uh, playing though <clears throat> East. You can definitely tell they're going to be special for sure. Um, so I catch them now. Because you ain't going to do nothing with them going forward. Because they have. I mean, they do such a good job of kind of grinding these teams down to really a lo- just a low-scoring, brutal game. They did it against Prost. They did it against Allen. They did it against Plano. So the elite teams in the district are not immune to it. East is, they suck you in. But at the same time, I think there's kind of a ceiling <coughs> to what um to what that, like against McKinney. McKinney scores 50. I think that's, I don't think East is able to overcome a team scoring more than like, you know, 45 points or so against them. But I think we'll see how they make adjustments because mm-hmm. people are like, it's like they know what people want to do to them, so we haven't seen their counter. Mm-hmm. But like somebody like Taylor Hagan, she's a very quality player, future star. And then the other girl, I forget her name. The Darudo, yeah. the other freshman, yeah. And it's more than just, I mean, they've got, I mean, their backcourt is, you know, with Kayla Cooper, Tiana Amos, Ada Anamekwe, who's one of the best defensive players in the entire district. They, they get in you. They, 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 the old school people say they, they, they get in your shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll grind on you for sure. It's just they've had, um, you know, some, uh, they've played teams like Allen and Plano really, really tough for a half or so. And then, yeah, once, yeah and then it's been a little bit tougher down the stretch. Um, I picked, I mean, I picked Plano to win the district. So, um, you know, so they've got a game on Tuesday against Allen, which will basically, you know, that's either gonna if they, if they have a chance of winning the district or if they uh, yeah if they if they're gonna fall back because um, Allen so far as you know despite losing in McDonald's All American and Nia Green um, they've th- man that team I mean well, we talk about but they got a, the debilitating transfer to Zoe was a game changer you got the best player of an opponent mm. 
coming to your program is only it's only going to help out. It does, and, but and, it, and she's delivered. It definitely does. I mean, you're not listen. You're not going to have a player get you you know a 25 a night like Nia Green did. But as far as getting steady steady play out of the backcourt, oh yeah, from uh, you know from Zoe Jackson, she's been solid. I think either either Zoe or Tyler Jackson, their other guard, are probably your two maybe the two frontrunners yeah, right now for the real. district MVP. They're real deals, and they've got great size down low um, with Mackenzie Warren, six three, six three, six two. Zoe McCrary, who missed you know the first you know the first uh, part of district recently came back and um, I mean yeah she was instrumental in that game against Plano East. Um, their defense is just absolutely grinding just through the first <coughs> half. They've only had one team clear forty points against them and that was Prosper who we just mentioned. Otherwise they're allowing just thirty five point three points in district play. Yeah, lose if they And um, that game against Plano on Tuesday has been one that um just watching that first matchup and how uh, it, I mean that's really the only time a team has made Plano look kind of human <laughs> in the wake of losing Jordan Merritt and whatnot. I mean Plano just could not buy a bucket inside. I, I forget the number that Coach Belcher told me, uh, you know, um, after the fact. But when they went back and watched the tape, it was something around like 30 missed shots inside. Um, so again, maybe a performance that you expect to maybe, uh, you know, maybe levels out a bit in the rematch. But um, but by that same accord, Allen didn't have Zoe McCreary in that matchup, and they still were able to win by double digits and hold Plano and check inside. So that might, you know, that might just negate any improvements that Plano makes in that respect. Um, but so Allen's been. Allen's so still to me. Allen's still the top dog. It's just it's not like it was last year. Maybe they and, like, and, and, and the thing like, is, I can't get them. And they're still not state ranked. They have uh, yeah. Plano's still hanging around at like number eleven or number twelve in the state. And Allen, despite having run the table so far, that's crazy because they started off at number three. They did. Oh yeah. <laughs> but they did have a really really tough non district, and they took some losses to the Desotos and the Duncanvilles and the Arlington Martins of the world and whatnot. But um, now they're they've, they're definitely playing a much more uh, inspired brand of basketball of late. Um, with Plano, you know, we talked about them a lot last week as far as being one of the true surprises, and that they could lose a, a potential McDonald's All American and Jordan Merritt and still be able. To maintain their status as one of the elite teams in this so district, they rally off of that, like, oh, people don't think we can do this. Mm-hmm. Watch this. And you mentioned just kind of uh, you know the, the impact that uh, Zoe, that Zoe Jackson's had though, as far as you know, moving from a that was a game changer the whole district. The best the best player from a, a district opponent, and you're seeing the kind of the same thing as far as what's helped steady that tide is that Amaya Brandon, who transferred over from Plano West, and um, you know she and uh, Michaela Eddins have really done a good job stabilizing things. It's kind of a nice one-two scoring punch. Maggie Robbins just reliable as always, just an absolute pit bull on defense, and then they've got so many just young and promising players. Yeah, they got a bunch of. Um, People that know their role, mm-hmm. that do it, but they play winning basketball, and that's hard to find in high yeah. school. Especially if I want to be the star. Sinead <coughs> Sattler is one of their star freshmen. Um, you know, Alyssa Penley. They've um, they've got some. It's a team that's really kind of built not just for this season, but for these next couple. And you know, we'll see. I mean, again, they've got a chance to draw even on uh, on Tuesday. And if they lose that game, though, then that's pretty much kisses goodbye any chance you have of winning a district title because <laughs> that not because not only would that that put you two games back of Allen in the standings, but also gives Allen the head to head. So it's essentially a three game lead, and Allen's not losing three games in district. Um, so yeah, Allen, Plano, they've again they've looked the part. I'm curious to see what McKinney does in that rematch against Allen because they did not have Aaron Fry for that one. Made a big deal because the game got put away when all of a sudden they um, Zoe Zoe Jackson told me at the game we called for a press we wanted to change things up. The game went from a four point lead to a fourteen point lead. That was the game because they started pressing because they have. Um, Fry does a little everything for um, McKinney, but she's their primary ball handler, so they have no ball handlers. Mm-hmm. 
So that ball was going here and here and here. <laughs> so if, well, of our top four right now, of Allen one, Plano two, McKinney three, East four, do we think that's going to be the case in a few weeks? Do we see anybody potentially leapfrogging another? Or? Unlike Murphy, I got confidence in the youngsters from Plano. West. Unlike me, <laughs> I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a text from Trey Rochelle. <laughs> After he sees this, he's like, yo, y'all don't believe in me? <laughs> no, it's not that I don't believe in y'all. This, this district is really, really good. For sure. Yeah, I think the kid, the, the youngsters from Plano are good enough to uh, Plano East to hold on to that yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. And you can see they get better each game. Yeah. I could see, I mean, I could see Easton McKinney tying for third, and then they do whatever to figure that out. I think Allen's going to, I think just getting McCracken back, that, that'll be enough for, even though I picked Plano at the start of the season, watching the, the the struggles that, you know, Plano had scoring inside, and then you add Zoe McCracken to that mix. I, um, I, yeah, I kind of I kind of think Allen's going to wrap this thing up tomorrow night. Um, but yeah, all right, so that's a look at District 9-6A right now as far as kind of how things are shaking out there. Um, and then over in District 6-6A, talk a little bit of this one because as far as district title races, this is the most exciting one because you have a three-way tie for first place at the midpoint, and that is uh, between Flower Mound, Louisville, and Irving MacArthur at 6-1. and one. Then you have Hebron in fourth place at 4-3, four and three. Capel in fifth place at 3-4, and four. Marcus 2-5 uh, and five there in sixth, and then Nimitz is seventh at 1-6, and six. Irving High 0-7 oh and in eighth place. And wouldn't you know it because you have those top three teams and the, uh, the commonality as far as one of the underlying subplots of this district is that uh, size matters. And you look at those three teams, Flyer Mount, Louisville, and MacArthur, and it's no coincidence they have the three best front courts in this district. Whether it is Layla Lawrence over at Louisville, the um, the one-two punch of uh, of Madison Cox and Sarah Edison <coughs> over at Flyer Mound, and then of course Hannah Gusters, the five-star prospect committed to Baylor over at MacArthur. Um, they're six and one, and they've all beat up on each other. Flyer Mound beat Louisville, Louisville beat MacArthur, and MacArthur beat Flyer so everybody taking L's. <laughs> the big thing, though, going forward, though, as far as which team might be positioned best to make a uh, to get some separation from that pack, um, is probably MacArthur because uh, they've uh, they just had to keep their uh, their head above water with um, with Sarah Andrews, the uh, another with the other five star recruit that they have, who's uh, also committed to Baylor, um, arguably the top overall player in the state, a potential McDonald's All American. She, um, you know, had suffered a. Uh, and uh, an ACL strain in early December that put her out for, uh, you know, the timetable was four to six weeks. She was targeting a, a return in mid-January. Well, if you check the calendar, it is January 20th. It is, well, classify that as mid-January. She was back on Friday in that game against uh, against Flower Mound. And uh, wouldn't you know, that's the game that uh, they upset the apple cart at the top of the district. And uh, they pick up a 57 uh, to 54 overtime win. And, yeah, we got that three-way tie. Um, so, yes, Andrew, she scored 11 points in her uh, in her return against the uh, the Lady Jaguars, you would only expect as time goes on, she's going to get more and more comfortable as she gets her sea legs back underneath her. And then we can finally see what this MacArthur team can do. This is one of the most compelling teams coming into the season, just because you have again two of the absolute best players in the uh, in the country in Sarah Andrews and Hannah Gusters um, on the same team. You know, Gusters had to sit out last season um, due to the transfer rules and whatnot. And um, and this is a team that you know you'd fancy being among that kind of in that same case as uh, as the DeSotos and the Duncanvilles over in Region 1 um, with that kind of top-shelf star power. And now we can finally get to see what it all means. That was the first game all season they've played together. It was a Friday against Flower Mound because Gusters was not eligible to play until December 12th. Um, and then, obviously, Andrews had that injury. Um, so, yes, I think that's the team that is kind of best positioned to get a little bit of separation. And, again, it's not like there's going to be any awkward, like, feeling out process and, like, okay, how do these two players mesh? How do they play together? Everybody knows everybody. Well, also, they play AU ball together. 
with uh, with pro skills. So it's not like yeah. So they've they've got plenty of uh, on court chemistry and whatnot. So um, it's just kind of seeing now how the role players fall in line behind those two. But yeah, I've been fascinated to see what this Gusters Andrews pairing could do, and um, we'll get that chance now finally. Um, let's see for Flyermont Louisville. We're going to figure out what the uh, what that rivalry means on Tuesday because they open up the second half of district play against each other. Um, Flyermont took a uh, took a nine point victory. I want to say it was in the first round. Uh, Louisville has been impressive ever since, including that victory over MacArthur. Um, and they were able to put together a really, really sound defensive performance against Hebron, which um, you know really helped kind of establish them now as uh, perhaps looking at a top three seed in this district. Um, you know, it hasn't just been Layla Lawrence who's been there. They're rock inside, you know, one of the top post players in the district. But then kind of, uh, you know, head coach Sally Allsbrook talked about just kind of the depth that they've then got elsewhere and kind of spreading the wealth and not just relying on that one player. You know, getting players like Sidney Savage, KK Blair, Ducey Reed going as well, and how much that's kind of leveled things after Louisville. And um, and they come into this with just the with the longest winning streak in the district now that uh, Flyer Mound's taken a loss. Um, Flyer Mound, though, is still in good position as well, even though they took a, uh, a close loss to MacArthur, an overtime decision at MacArthur, so nothing uh, nothing to hang your head over. Uh, Madison Cox held up well, you know, in the uh, her first crack at, uh, at Hannah Guster. She scored 17 points, led all scores. Edmondson had 12, so their front court did work, you know, despite the uh, the uh, the tall order of the MacArthur matchup, um, but again, though you'd expect that MacArthur is probably going to be a bit more of a, a bit more of established, you know, the, when they see that rematch. The experience game. makes a big deal going down the stretch mm-hmm. of these games. Um, so yeah, but nevertheless, the Flower Mound, just with their size and just the steadiness of that backcourt, McKenzie Shot and Kayla Wallace, um, they've shown enough to where I think they're, you know, again, if they can, if they, they already have the head-to-head on Louisville, and if they can get that win on Tuesday, that would lock up the tiebreaker for sure. So in that respect, that almost assures you a top, uh, a top two seed if you're Flower Mound. Um, Do you think um, one of these teams besides uh, Marcus, I mean Marcus. MacArthur. MacArthur uh, can make a run? Um... The thing is, they're beating up each other. Maybe out of the first round, but then that's when you're running into, depending on where you're seated, because you're probably going to be seeing the DeSotos and the Duncanvilles in the second round, given the proximity of those districts. So, um, probably not. If you're drawing either of those two, those just looks like those are probably those are the two best teams in the state right now. And yeah, it's listen. The the further you are from playing one of those two, the the better, because it feels like those two teams are on a uh, on a collision course for either the either the third round or the fifth round. I'm not sure how. Would line up in the uh, in the brackets, but um, yeah, MacArthur is the team that has the best shot for sure. Um, Hebron, though, then Hebron's in fourth place. They're at four and three, having seen them against Capel, you know, who's uh, one game back in fifth place. Um, didn't really see much there to suggest that a rematch would go much different. Um, Hebron's just got they've got so many weapons. It's uh, you know the <clears throat> the reason why they're they're hanging back of those top three is just because it's a team of you know essentially of guards and, and wings. They don't have that that imposing post presence like those other three do, and you know you've kind of seen that in these matchups against like Flyer Mountain and Louisville where you know the the struggles on the glass and just stopping that inside scoring that's when it kind of comes back to bite you but they do have so many uh, so many capable players are just letting it up from the outside be it Sierra Dixon Cammie McKinney um, Cortland Loudermill who in that game against uh, Flyer Mound just went off she had 30 points or something like that just could not miss from three um, it does stink that they're without one of their best players for the season and Deja Melton who's just joins that list of, of other players in the area who's 
his season was just you know taken away by a, by a damn ACL injury. But um, nevertheless, so it's left Hebron. Though they're still again, they're still one of the better teams in this district, and it's assured them most likely the four seed. Now again, who knows what that means? Come playoff time, and you're having to play the district champion. I would assume that's probably what Denton Geyer over in District Five Six A. Um, but nevertheless, though, um, you know Hebron's and they've shown. Listen, they've shown some resistance against the, those upper echelon teams. Really, it was only Louisville that they had a tough time against. They uh, they lost to MacArthur by two. They lost to Flyer Mound by four. So they've been on the doorstep, just haven't been able to get over the hump and get that uh, get that elusive win over those top three teams. So who knows? Maybe they score one in the second half and upset the pecking order a little bit. But um, yeah, that's your um, that's your top four, and I kind of uh, I kind of think that's how uh, how we're going to wind up. If I had to guess right now, I think we're probably looking at MacArthur one, Flyer Mound two, Louisville three, and Hebron four would be my midseason projection for how that district's going to uh, going to pan out. But um, but yes, um, the timing couldn't be any better for MacArthur right now to get Sarah Andrews back and finally it's like their season begin began on Friday essentially um, so we'll see again we'll make all American hey we gonna be good we'll uh yeah we'll see what it all means going forward though so that's just a look at what's happening out in district 66a and we can close things out now with a look over out Mesquite ways at uh, 116a and uh, we had the uh, the top of the district rocked a little bit on Friday we have now a tie for first place between horn and Tyler Lee at five and one uh, Rockwall at four and two in third place. Rockwell Heath in fourth at three and three. And then you have a tie for fifth between North Mesquite and Longview at two and four. And then Mesquite High bringing up the rear at 0 and six in seventh place. Um, Devin, obviously the big talking point was what happened on Friday in the first matchup between Horn and Tyler Lee. Um, a tough one for the Lady Jaguars as they took their first district loss. So um, what does that result mean now as far as kind of how this uh, the upper echelon of this district shakes out? Well, there was there was a top three coming mm-hmm. into the. I mean, I think and really they they all beat each other. Rockwell beat Lee. Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually had a rally in the second half to do that. Um, Horn beat Rockwell, and then Lee beat Horn um, on Friday. But you know, Horn they won four straight, or at least a share of four straight district titles. But they always have that one game that just kind of comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and that may have been Friday last year. For mm-hmm. instance, they lost to Longview by fifteen, and you just kind of you looked at the. You know, call was it, coach. Was it that long? View was it one of those having to travel? It you was, know, but twenty-five you know, hours. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was. It was at Longview, which makes a difference. But then they turn around and beat them by twenty-five in the rematch, which is probably more indicative of the true mm. talent level between the or gap between the teams. But you know, so but Tyler Lee, you know, they put together. I mean, they're twenty and six. I mean, that's not a not an upset um, per, per se, but. Um, I still think Horn's a team to beat going down the stretch. I just I think Jasmine Shavers is probably your district MVP just okay. because she's the best. I know she's the best offensive mm-hmm. player. Um, you know, Trillia Washington's a four-year starter, 6'1", can do a little bit of everything. I, I just think their depth with BNC Jackson, Caitlin Cobb, and Daniel Robinson. Um, you know, they, they've just got so many different players that can step up, up on a given night. Tyler Lee is kind of, uh, Aaliyah Morgan and Alyssa Thorne have mm-hmm. kind of been their two go-to players for the last three years, and they're seniors now. Um, probably the best one-two punch in the district, but the, not quite the depth yeah. that Horn has. Uh, Rockwall, uh, they, they lost Emma Stelzer, uh another ACL <laughs> uh, casualty and so that was that was you know in December so that there was a period transition period where they tried to get acclimated to life without her uh, but they still have a pair of seniors and Mickey Witcher and Celia Strait um, and they have some young players uh, Nia Santiago Caitlin Jordan a freshman who have become regular contributors so you mentioned the youth when you have that much you 
think there's so much upside as these freshmen and sophomores continue to grow during the course, you know, the, the course of the season. So, you know, I think it's going to come down to the head-to-head matchups. I would give Horn the edge, um, slight edge over Rockwall mm-hmm. and Lee, who I think are about on even terms. Um, but again, it's it's Horn. I mean, Friday's game, yeah. I mean, it's it may it may prove to be a, a better indicator, but to me, I think that was their one head scratcher of the mm-hmm. of the year. Um, you know, fourth place, it, it's a three-team battle, but, I mean, Rockwell Heath, they were 0-12 last year. And oh, yeah. so they were not projected to be in the playoff hunt, let alone alone in fourth place. But they had Logan McNeil, who I saw very impressive as a freshman. She missed all of last year with an injury. She came back this year, and that's been a big boost. Uh, they're another team that's had a lot of freshmen and sophomores that played last year and again this year. So they've just it's taken them time to develop. Plus, you know, at three and three, they have the two head-to-head wins over North Mesquite mm-hmm. and Longview. So that's just a, you know leg up in the tiebreaker. Should it come down to that, I still. North Mesquite's chances. They play well. Rockwell Heath kind of got away from them late on Friday. But uh, North Mesquite has played, you know, the top teams tougher than they have in recent years. Uh, you know, I've talked about Kayla Pope. I just think she's one of the best players in the district. Uh, and so I think it's going to come down to the final day of the regular season when North Mesquite and Rockwell Heath rematch. I think it's likely going to be something where a situation where Rock, North Mesquite is going to have to beat Rockwell Heath to pull into a tie. Mm-hmm. And that's going to send them into a playoff play-in okay. seating or a fourth-place game. Um, I had a quick question about Tyler Lee. So, is, how similar is this Tyler Lee team from what they had last season? It's it's very similar. I mean, okay. I mean Liam Morgan and Alyssa Thorne were their two best players last year, and they're their two best players again. They got a little bit of size, and they they prefer to, to, to slow it down and, and play in the 30s. I was, yeah, because that was the team that Allen drew in the second yeah. round in their run to the uh, to the state tournament, and I was, that was probably the team that, uh, at least as far as just the defensive effort, made Allen look more human than anybody, and that was including against Prosper and Fleurieville Hendrickson. I thought it was Lee that did the best job defensively against them of anybody. It wasn't until Nia Green just took, just went nuts in the fourth quarter, they finally got a little separation, but that Tyler yeah. Lee team, I was really, really impressed with what I saw from them. Yeah, they, they have good athletes. Again, there's, mm-hmm. they did graduate a couple of key players off that team. Yeah. Their two best are, are back. But again, yeah, that's the, that is their style and uh, how they're successful. Is they they don't let the score get up there. It's it's, okay. it's in the 30s and low 40s is when they're at their best. Which you think in the Horns still might be able to return the favor when they come to Mesquite? I, I do. I just I just like I say, Horn the fire, their overall firepower. Um, and again, having what I, who I believe is the best player in the district puts them over the top. Okay. Yeah, and there you go. That is a look at uh, at our four uh, our four six eight girls basketball districts. Now we're filling at the midpoint as we uh, as we embark on the second half of district play. Begins on Tuesday. Already got some big games that'll shake up the pecking order, whether it's Plano and Allen, Flower Mound and Louisville, um, all sorts of fun stuff on the horizon. So, um, yeah, and that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, gentlemen, I appreciate you guys for tagging along. Folks, we'll be back on Thursday to do the same exercise on the, uh, on the 5A side. Talk a little 5A girls basketball, plus a little bit of private school action as well. Mix that in too. Um, in the meantime, folks, you enjoy your week and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area.
But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.